listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. Welcome in to One Take Podcast, episode 148. I actually got the number right this time because I did my research. I looked it up. <laughs> Who could forget that 147 was Fast X? Who could have forgot? Oh, uh, yeah. One of the movies of all time. One of, one of the movies. Um, we're doing Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We were going to do The Little Mermaid, and then we forgot and didn't. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't have any other excuses besides that. Hey, Disney, yeah. we don't need any more live-action movies of movies that we already loved. I know you're doing it for money. I respect that. But we're not just going to rush down there to see all of our favorite films that we already have seen just because you put some live-action people in them. But I, I, I support I, the Black Little Mermaid. For so. one, I am going to do that. And Little Mermaid was actually good. <laughs> but it's longer and worse versions. Like, it's not as good as the original. Yeah, exactly. Movie. I mean... Like the Lion King was good, nah. but it, I mean it was longer and not as good as the real Lion King. Honestly, uh, the, I think like like the live action Little Mermaid. Not to do a Little Mermaid episode after we said we weren't going to, but yeah, uh, yeah, I feel like it's it's better in parts in live action because it's live action. Like Prince Eric, not a serious character in the animated version. Not just just an unserious male protagonist who like is not actually cool or interesting in any way and now he's kind of cool so well, as anyway. we as we will discover here dex um known anime uh not anime but known uh animated movie hater uh anime he, movie hater too anime I am not movie, about yeah. it. <laughs> um no i'm 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 just deep teasing that you didn't like the first one of these films but you uh which is an insane fucking take by the way, I can't believe you tweeted that. <laughs> I I did not tweet that. I did like th- I love the first movie. It's just not the greatest superhero animated or whatever movie of all time. I don't care. Like it's it not quite that literally is good. though. It is that. No. It actually is that. It is that. <laughs> it very well could be that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Uh, spoiler alert: We all liked it. Uh, we will try to like. We normally do a bad job of spoilers, but we will try to maintain that until we give you a fair warning. But we did all like the movie. Just get that out of the way. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse came out this week, 2023, uh, 2023 movie, rated PG, long and for an animated film, two hours and 20 minutes. You don't really feel that, but it is longer than your standard animated Disney fare, if you will. Um God damn, get out of the way. Move. No, we're not doing this. <laughs> there we go. All right. Miles Morales catapults across the multiverse where he encounters a team of spider people charged with the protecting its very existence 
when the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles must redefine what it means to be a hero. 9.1 on IMDb, number two ranked trending popularity movie. Again, I don't know what is first, but so be it. 86 Metascore, which is uh, one shy of the 87 Metascore for the first movie. Directed by three separate people that are different from the three people that directed the first movie, which is crazy. Totally new team outside of Lord and Miller. Joaquin Dos Santos, Kemp, not Ken Powers, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson all uh, get their hands on this one. Phil Lord and Chris Miller, of course, are back. Uh, This is their vision and their dream, and now have sort of solidified themselves as some of the best like animated creators of all time already uh is also dave callahan has a writing credit uh most of the cast returns shameek moore Haley steinfeld brian tyree henry luna lauren velez jake johnson oscar isaac Issa, everyone in hollywood jason schwartzman daniel kaluuya having the most fun he's ever had in a movie shea wiggum (laughs) not Uh, zoe kravitz uh, Amanda Stanberg, Mahershala Ali comes back. Maybe that's a spoiler. And oh, Andy yeah. and Andy Sandberg is here as well. Um, this movie is doing really well at the box office. Of course, this movie costs way more money to make than the first one. About probably like seventy million dollars more. Of course, this had Jesus. delays and such. One hundred fifty million dollar budget, two hundred twenty one million dollar gross worldwide. 96% meta score, 96% audience score, or 96% tomato score. Uh, again, one shy, I believe, of the first movie. Just as visually dazzling and action-packed as its predecessor, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse thrills from the start to cliffhanger conclusion. And um, we'll start there. Teej, you have the most glowing reviews, I think, of it. Go ahead, give your review. Give your review. I gotta let these goddamn dogs back in the house because why wouldn't I? They did it again, bros. Uh, this film is nothing short of a masterpiece. It is visually the most appealing thing you're ever gonna see, especially in animated form. The score is literally perfect. The soundtrack is fire. The voice cast is perfect. The storyline is great. It hits you with the right amount of nostalgia. It is amazing from the opening note of this movie where our Gwen is playing the guitar are playing the drums in the band the way that the film starts is just incredible we start with Gwen we get a full Gwen kind of backstory and what Gwen's been up to which is great because Gwen is a side character in the first movie uh but now you know I think this is really Gwen's movie I think this middle movie is Gwen's movie the first movie was Miles's movie and beyond the Spider-Verse will be Miles and Gwen's movie together but a lot of this is a Gwen specific movie. So we start with her. We get an incredible sequence with her. And it's our first time seeing another world in this story. Because obviously in the first movie, all the people came to Miles's world. And they were all, you know, quirky and different because they come from different worlds. But we knew Miles's world pretty good by the time all these people showed up in it. So we've been to, we spent a lot of time in Miles's world. So we opened the movie in Gwen's world. And the color palette and the artwork palette is extremely... It's very different than anything we've ever seen. It's like a watercolor mood ring kind of right. thing. It is great. It literally looks like a painting on the screen, which is funny because in you know in one of these scenes, they're in an actual art gallery and making jokes about art. Obviously, these movies have a lot of jokes in them. Very funny movie, by the way. Uh, it's beautiful. 
and you get this very heartfelt story. The drum beat that she's playing just sounds so amazing. The first time I saw it, I was a little high, but I was mostly sober. The second time I saw it, I was on mushrooms, and I saw it in IMAX, and it is, it is a sensory behemoth. Overload. The way that it looks, the way that it sounds, it's just – the opening literally is my favorite part of the movie. Like, it steals – it stole my breath immediately, and we haven't even gotten to Miles yet. It stole my breath. The way it looks, the, the way that they're threading the story – then you hit the credits, and then you immediately turn on a Rock Him song, and now we're back in Brooklyn, where we know our Miles is from. We catch up with Miles; he's doing good, kinda. He's lonely. We're already seeing the thread of she's a particular kind of lonely for certain reasons. He's lonely for certain reasons, and also they're the person they're in love with. They literally can't ever see again because they live in different universes. So not only do you have the teenage angst of like, I like a girl, I like a boy. They literally are like, I probably will never see this person again, but I got to get through life and be Spider-Man and be lonely or be Spider-Woman and be lonely because I can't get to this person. I love the time hanging out with Miles. The way we introduce our big villain, who is the spot, who is a nothing villain, who who Spider-Man obviously has the one of the greatest rogues galleries of villains in comic book history. And also Spider-Man obviously is one of our most beloved American characters, not just comic book characters, but characters in general. There's so much IP about Spider-Man. They're always making these movies over and over and over again because they're, they're constant cash cows and the agreements that specify these things, especially at Sony, they have to put out a Spider-Man movie every couple of years. So that we have we have a lot of Spider-Man stuff that we can bring into the movie theater that they can play around with and bounce around jokes off of and nostalgia off of. So we meet the spot. We Most people probably don't know anything about the spot. I didn't know anything about the spot other than the fact that he was a Spider-Man villain. And he's literally, they frame him as the person who's robbing the ATM, where we've seen across Spider-Man in time of memorial that we've seen him do these little petty crimes or stop these little petty crimes. And it's not the plot of the show or the story or the movie. It's just like a sidebar thing. He goes into you know a bodega. He has a relationship with someone in there. He, he stops a crime. Someone's taking money out the register or doing whatever they might be doing. So we... He, we introduce our big villain as a guy who's just stealing an ATM. He's goofy. He's making jokes. He wants Miles to take him seriously. And Miles is in a rush. He's got shit going on. He's barely paying attention to this guy as he's fighting him, even though the spot is saying, we're in the fight of our lives. Like, this is the fight of our lives. Fate brought us here. Uh, we, I am from your past, and you don't know yet. And this is the fight of your life, but you're taking, you're taking it as a joke. Jason Schwartzman makes everything funny, and his performance in this movie is just perfect and phenomenal. So we get to meet the spot and the spot looks weird. Like the way he's drip, drawn is weird. He's kind of like, he looks different than everything else in Miles's world. He's just kind of like a bare canvas. He's mostly white. He's got a couple spots, but the way that the art form changes of the spot throughout the movie as it gets stronger, is just incredible. He starts to get colorful and everything in this movie is so extremely colorful. The, the romance with, with Miles hanging around the city with her is just really cool. Now we get a mom movie. The first movie is a dad movie. Now we had some great moments with Miles and his mother. A heartfelt speech that made half my movie theater cry that she gives to Miles before he takes off on his call to adventure. And then we're in different worlds and they all look different. Mumbatton looks amazing, but it looks very different than Miles' Brooklyn. Then we go to New York with all the spider people, which is very different than anything that we've ever seen. We're jumping around to different worlds. And every time you go to a different world, it is a completely different movie. It makes sense that they have this many directors because these are different parts of the same story, but like different people are doing it. There's a Lego part that they had a 14 year old come and make. That was he made unreal. That I didn't know that was a thing. He made a teaser of he basically made a teaser of one of the trailers. He made a Lego version of it and put it on the internet. 
They saw it and they said, hey, why don't you put a make a little Lego part for our movie? And they put his little Lego part of the Lego land into the movie seamlessly. It, you, as you watch the movie, you don't think like, oh, this is like something completely different that they put in there much later. It's like it fits with the movie, especially because we know that these guys, Lord and Miller, made the Lego movie movie. So it, it kind of looked like that. It was like, okay, I, I get it. So that's all these worlds are so cool. All these different Spider-Man we have our old, we have Peter B. who's still here. Obviously, we still have Gwen. You know, we're, we're getting to hang out with them, but also we're meeting new spider people. Now we're getting Issa Rae, who has a not enough to do, but she's cool. Uh, and now we're getting Hobie Brown, who's probably the coolest cartoon character I've ever seen. They said it took them three, three years or three months to get Hobie Brown to be able to be like on the actual screen because of the way that he's rendered and the way that he's so different than everybody else. Like, the themes of inclusivity and whether you belong and people questioning whether he's a Spider-Man are just beautiful. This movie is a fucking masterpiece. This is an A plus. You cannot do make a better movie than this. This is the greatest Spider-Man movie we've ever seen, or at least it's tied with the first one. This is the greatest comic book story that I've ever seen rendered. This is real art on the screen. This is not just your mindless people care about this shit. Like people actually care about this shit and they take Miles is in such great hands, and they put him in dangerous situations, obviously, but he's in such great hands with the creators of these films. They really care for him. They really render his story in the most beautiful way possible. Everybody's been copying the Spider-Verse movie, the first one, for the last five years, and all of a sudden they put something out, and they're like, no, like y'all are back on that. We are on a whole nother level. We're taking this story to completely new heights. This is the greatest thing that you could ever do with a multiversal story, and we've had plenty to remember. And my hot take, sorry to go long, my hot take for this film, this masterpiece, is that last year, a family-oriented, action-packed, multiversal movie with all the heart and all the comedy won Best Picture. And we said it on this podcast, after we reviewed it, as soon as it came out, we said this film is going to contend for Best Picture this is this good of a film. It's going to persist even though it came out early in the year in a weird time of the year. Usually the contenders come out towards the end of the year. We said this is going to persist. This is going to be a Best Picture nominee. Maybe it's going to win. We said that on this podcast. I am here to tell you right now, again, that the film that you all watch, Across the Spider-Verse, will not only be nominated for Best Picture, I think it's going to fucking win Best oh Picture. Oh, my God. I think it's going to win Best Picture. That is not a troll or joke. I've heard a lot of people talking about this film. I have not heard anybody say. I've heard a couple of people say that it's going to be nominated. I haven't had, had anybody heard anybody say that it's going to win. I legitimately believe that it's going to win. This is going to be the best movie you've seen all year. I gave it an A+. It's a masterpiece. Across the Spider-Verse is perfect. Well, look, let me piggyback off of that because um, <laughs> that is a take and a half, brother. Um, let me piggyback off of that, and Dex, I'll let you go because my dogs are running around i'm trying to corral them but i do want to piggyback off of that because i had this thought this has re these two films and subsequently the third one that is coming out not even a year from now it'll be like march i think march yes, or april of next year for march um so it feels like they worked on both of these sort of simultaneously and there was a reason that they delayed it for like three years but um this feels like in the way that Toy Story redefined what we knew about animated films in the late or in the mid 90s and continue to do so all the way up until about Toy Story 3, um, it feels like this 
these movies are sort of like a culture shift in how we sort of are viewing this medium a little bit or this these animated styles. And not saying that Sony is like taking over. I think that Pixar and, and DreamWorks and all these things have such a, a huge head start, illumination even over Sony. But Sony has now made three major animated films to one won the Oscar for best animated feature in the first one. The yep. other was nominated in Mitchell's versus the machines. This one's going to be nominated and it's going to be, I will uh, agree. It's going to be nominated for best picture. If they do the 10, they're doing 10 or have they been doing five? They're doing 10. They've been doing 10. Yeah. So it's easily going to get nominated for best picture. I will say if toy story one, that literally sort of redefined how they animate these things didn't win. They had to give it a special Oscar because they didn't even know what to do with it. This isn't going to win best picture. It will be nominated. There's no No. fucking way. (laughs) This is winning best picture. They're going to make, they're going to make those, those wrongs right, bro. It's They didn't give Dune best picture after giving it like every other fucking award there's no way they're gonna give there's a huge difference there dune stinks it's not good why would they give it <laughs> give it best picture when it's a I, boring agree, commercial I agree for the dune, dune too. stinks but they didn't think that it stinks and it's they love incredible that to look movie. at you know, i i will go yeah so is spider-verse now. except for you have a lot of fun while you're looking at it you well, don't have yeah, any fun Spider-verse looking at dune. Is actually good and dune is not but the academy <laughs> thought dune was phenomenal and even they were like we can't give half a movie best picture <laughs> or not, not the first half at least maybe yeah. they'll give the second half best picture actually that's probably my prediction they're going to give dune part two the oscar over that's, this one yeah but um, if i had to make a prediction today that's what i'm predicting dune part two is going to win best picture. dune part two but, is not winning any oscar it will be nominated but it will not win the oscar no way well, I the mean, first it, one won like 18 Oscars. <laughs> it won all the below the line awards. It deserved them. All them below the line won it deserved them. It deserved those. <laughs> We're talking best fucking picture now. No. Um but to continue, I do think that it it it's not going to it's not going to completely change how we view these things, but it really does feel like when you give these artists time to hone their craft because they delayed they're like this was delayed the first one came out five years ago you know how crazy that like for something not named toy story you know how crazy that is like they're turning around shrek movies you know what i mean (laughs) but like i if it, it feels like this is sort of redefining what we think and how we tell these stories as well and how deep we can go into these stories I mean, I guess like Puss in Boots was trying to redefine the meaning of life, but even they take away sort of the kinetic art styles that you've seen from the first into the Spider-Verse movie. And I think that is going to have sort of a, as we have more kids who are fighting for attention spans, including myself, if we have more of these people who are fighting for attention spans, the kinetic pace, the kinetic style. Now, not everybody can do it as well as Lord and Miller and how they write. Um, and they seem to have a deep understanding of this character specifically, or I guess the Spider-Man character specifically and how this sort of works. But 
it'll be interesting to see where they go from here because if you give artists the time to do that, then you make literal art on screen. Like we were saying, the the it looks like a Monet painting or like uh, somebody. Uh, Sean Finnessy said that the spot at times looks like a Salvador Dali like animation. Oh my god, and, they're so cool looking. Yeah, and like, of course, the, they take the Steve Ditko um, visualiza- visualizations of literal comic panels, and that's Miles's world. And the first time I saw that in Into the Spider Verse, I was like, is the screen like blurry? You know how, like, when you see a 3D movie without the glasses? Yeah. That's kind of how it looked. And I was like, what is it? And then I realized sort of what it was and every time that the characters go in and out of these different worlds they keep their same sort of worldly shape but then sort of look a little different when they go to these new worlds too and they sort of morph into these new worlds it's unbelievable to look at it's also funny and heartfelt i don't know if it's as funny as the first or as irreverent as the first one was because the first one was something that we truly hadn't seen what this did do for me was make me wish that we took even more chances. And this is, I, it is me, no way home enjoyer. So don't like get mad at me or anything. Like it makes me going to kill you for saying that. It makes me wish that those movies and even, um, Dr. Strange, which took some chances, did more of it like when dr strange was hopping through the multiverses and it was like a three second scene yeah like we should have got a lot more of that like that was like oh this is enjoyable and then it's like oh we're back at a different scene it's like yeah but we're back at a static location yeah now we're back back standing still and but that also reiterates to me and i'm not saying like animation is always better than live i love live action probably more than anything you see in real life is always better but i will say that this medium allows you to take a lot more of those risks that i think we just can't do with some of these superhero movies we've kind of reached a point of critical mass where they have to like somehow break through that ceiling of what we can actually see on screen or what we can do with cgi but with this, it's just whatever you can think we can do. And they somehow were able to get it and put it on screen. I loved it. I loved absolutely everything. I don't know if, how it fits in with, for me, uh, comparing to the first film, because the first film laid the groundwork for what this is. Um, a lot of people compared it to the Star Wars narrative of how that came on the screen in 79 and it just redefined what sci-fi looked like for a lot of people. And then empire strikes back expounded on that in a way that they didn't think was possible. And that's kind of what this did here. And it's the lazy comparison, but it feels apt and it feels correct to be like this. And then into the spider verse, star Wars, the original Avengers movie. And then, Empire Strikes Back, Across the Spider-Verse, and uh, not Endgame, but uh, Infinity War, built on those, and hopefully it crescendos with something 
um, like in game, but maybe even better than Return of the Jedi. So because yeah, that was Return a lot of, of Jedi is not good. But. Yeah, there's a <laughs> there's a lot of like there's a lot of nerd references in there all at once. But I'm just saying when you have these sort of trilogies of films that are sort of building on something that hasn't been done before it, like Avengers did with the team up superhero movie. It's interesting to see where they will go from here. A lot of people say, Oh, well I rank this lower because the story's incomplete and we're going to sound like hypocrites because we were sitting here shitting on Dune for being part one of a part two. But here's the thing. We knew two years ago that this was going to be part two Dune came in and they didn't even know if they were going to get the opportunity to do part two. Yeah. And they're just they're like, here's part one. Hope you like it. And you're just like, okay. But also Dex, you had a good point in the group message in just a little while ago and saying, if this is just fun too, on top of that. Yeah, so it's easy. Actually good and cool to watch. It's like I said in the group chat, it's like being at a hibachi restaurant and the chef is like, doing the onion volcano and he's fucking flinging shrimp around in people's mouths and it's like just fucking cool and fun you haven't tasted the food yet but you're like this restaurant's fucking amazing and like i know this food is going to be delicious when i finally get to eat it but watching dune part one it's like sitting down at fucking applebee's and getting the menu with all the pictures on it with all the pictures (laughs) on it it's like you have the idea of zendaya but like she hasn't done anything yet. Like <laughs> you're just looking at pictures on the menu, and you're like, "This food might be pretty good." You you have no fucking idea. <laughs> except so, it's the except it's the fucking cheesecake factory menu because that shit was so long. Yeah, it's got to be a massive <laughs> menu, and there's it's 19 categories to go menu. through. You have you read no Yelp reviews on this restaurant? You don't know shit about how this food is gonna be. You're just looking at the pictures, and that is like. It's fair to say, yeah, you can't judge that story based on that, but I can judge this hibachi restaurant. Like, look at this man in this onion volcano. This food about to be fire. Like, it smells amazing in here, and this guy is throwing meat around. It's gonna be fucking awesome. I don't have to pause. I know it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, that whole like it's an incomplete story thing or whatever. Like, yeah, I get it, but also like, come on, guys. Like, you can you can kind of tell where this is going. You can tell like it's. You know what else was an incomplete story? Fucking Infinity War. Everybody loved that movie. I thought I, I, I'm glad y'all making these points. These are the two things that have pissed me off the most in the dialogue. One, everybody comparing it to Dune because of the part one thing. And I was like, did I memory hold the fact that they already announced that this was part one? Because I walked into the theater knowing this was part one. And I thought we all did. So I was confused about with the backlash. On the it back went end. viral on Twitter when they said there's two films are coming out oh, like back to back. I was like, did I make that up? Because the, even the guy next to me was like, what? And the other guy next to me was like, what? And I was like, it's a part one. Like, I thought we all yeah, knew that. But anyway, I, I thought they had told us that. But anyway, but then two, the comparisons to the comparison to the Dune thing where none of us knew, including the filmmaker, that this is going to be a part one, part two situation is a completely different comparison altogether. And I, I just didn't understand why people were making those comparisons at all. Uh, either, you know, if you don't like the ending of the movie, that's fine. But I would suffice to say that you enjoyed yourself throughout the whole time. And that was not the experience that everybody had with Dune. Some people really did enjoy all of Dune. Some people yeah, some really liked the way that they did some people love Applebee's. Like, I understand. Like, there's something about <laughs> Applebee's that makes them happy. I might not be that person, but, you know, like, you know, I, 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 I want my mozzarella so sticks before I make my decision. One of the better sci-fi films of the last 20 years. 
Applebee's. Applebee's. <laughs> it ain't Chili's. I can tell you that. Dune 2 is going to be some Michelin stars to shit, but that doesn't change the fact that Dune 1 was an Applebee's, and then you walk past the Applebee's into the back, and then boom, there's like a little speakeasy back there that has the best food in the city. But you got to go through the Applebee's first. Um, no, so in the end, uh, the voice cast is great. You don't always, like, you can't always determine that. You know, they now every voice cast is like, which you know version of chris pratt can we get in here which movie star can we get in here to voice these things um but the voice Thank cast god chris here... pratt is not in across the spider verse dude oh my god imagine Shockingly if he was getting not. that check too i know he gets every fucking check imagine if he's getting yeah, that no check. chris Shockingly pratt not, no but... keegan michael key like <laughs> yeah um so no lin-manuel miranda <laughs> yeah exactly uh no rock um so like i just any Anytime you see a voice cast, you're like, oh, it's it's who could we fit in here? Like Matthew McConaughey to like voice this koala bear or whatever. But uh, <laughs> this is like it really feels like these people are acting and doing like a story that they care about. And the voice acting is genuinely phenomenal and well done. Um, I just can't get over like how much. It, I can stress to you that it's like literally watching a piece of art on the, on, on the screen. Uh, I would take some points off because like I'm a slow brained millennial now that like I, it was, I couldn't hear some of the things that characters were saying. Like I needed <laughs> subtitles so badly. They were moving so fast that I was just like, what, what the fuck happened? And uh, also some of the pop-ups on the, on the screen, I was like, wait, like, and I know why they did that. And it was kind of funny and it doesn't detract from the story or anything, but I was just like, this is moving so incredibly fast that I got whiplash. Yeah. Like you can't even try to read the ones where they go to all the, sp- yeah. where, where the, all the spiders are. It's like, they're popping up so fast. You can't even, it's like, Oh, I just got to wait till I get the movie at home because yeah. there's no way I can even read even half of those, the way they were putting them up on the screen. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still an a plus for me. I think I have it lower than into the spider verse. Like I've said a couple of times, shut up. God, uh, but uh yeah so dex go ahead give your review i'm gonna figure this out hold on yeah so i mean obviously this movie's fucking great like five stars 10 out of 10 great fucking movie i fucking loved it i also loved into the spider verse just not as much as everyone else like i just want to make that clear i did like and love the first movie i thought it was really fucking cool I just didn't think it was the greatest animated movie of all time or the greatest superhero movie of all time or whatever. Didn't you say The Eternals was better than Into the Spider-Verse? Wasn't that you? I absolutely did not say that. (laughs) I would never say such a thing. Don't, Dude, the internet's going to come fucking find my house. (laughs) Stop putting these allegations out here. But um, yeah, I actually like this movie better than the first movie just because I enjoyed flushing out Gwen Stacy's character and, uh, you know, spending more time with Miles and his mom and, like, that kind of stuff did more for me. Um, Just as story beats, obviously we don't officially know how the story is going to end, but I feel like we all kind of know where this is going. Uh, And I just really fucking liked it. I got all, uh, you know, we've already talked about how great it looks and everyone knows that. The score is perfect. The music they chose is perfect metro Boomin did his thing on the soundtrack like it's all really fucking good my only nitpicks only nitpicks with the movie are knowing that it's a part one of two i was watching the movie being like 
okay, this would be a really badass place to just like cut to black, <laughs> like, and they just didn't like 15 different times. I was like, okay, you could have oh, ended, ended a thousand times, yeah, you could have ended this movie a little bit earlier than you did. Like, it like just kept it felt like at the end it was dragging a little bit. I think where they eventually got to to end the movie is fine, like, that's a cool place to end the movie, it's like pretty hopeful when you know, like it's a cliffhanger, whatever, but. I was like, it would have been way cooler if this ended like 15 minutes ago. Like, <laughs> we just stopped there. And my other nitpick, it's like not really the movie's fault. This has been in development for forever. Like, there's not much they can do about it. But we've seen a lot of multiverse movies the past couple of years, and they're all starting to have like the same plot and like do the same things. It's like, oh, there's a, a villain who can jump across universes and he's fucking them all up and you got to go stop them or the universes will start colliding. And yeah, like you can't have that. You got to fix this. comes out on June 16th, brother, by the way, that if, if you want yeah. another one. <laughs> you got to fix gonna... the sacred timeline before the villain who can jump timelines fucks it all up. And oh, there's some sad, sad things that have to happen to you, but you don't want to be sad. So you got to stop the sad things from happening to you specifically. They happen in every other universe, but they can't happen in yours. We got to figure out how to stop that. Like, you know, and like I said, not the movie's fault. This has been in development for years. It's not like they saw everything everywhere all at once. And we're like, let's let's do that. Like they've been working on this for a long ass time. But after watching everything everywhere all at once, watching Multiverse of Madness, watching No Way Home, The Flash is about to come out. It's like, okay. Is there anything this is else? Just shitting on the Flash. Sorry, I uh, of course tried. it is. We haven't seen it, but of course it is. And uh, but yeah, it's just like, is there anything else that we're going to do with multiverses, or is this it? Like, is this the one multiverse plot that we have, and we're just going to keep making this a million different times? I don't know, but yeah, like like I said, those are my only two real nitpicks with the movie. It could have ended maybe 10, 15 minutes earlier. And I've seen a lot of multiverse movies. That's not a lot of nitpicks. Like I usually get out here and complain about a bunch of shit. Like, uh, like that's all I got for this movie. It's a, it's a ten out of ten. It's great. I didn't feel like it was dragging at all. I was having the time of my fucking life, and I knew it was about to end. It, it's so weird watching it the second time, knowing where and how it ends. Because when I was watching Escape from New Ever New Ever York, I knew how long the movie was. But I had no sense of time because I was so locked into the movie that I wasn't thinking when we were in New York, like, this is probably our big final set piece because it is. Like, that's the last time there's, like, action and running away and there are stakes. And so, and then you're, you're just resolving other things as you end the movie. And I don't want to spoil it yet. So watching the, the New York thing a second time, it just, it works so well as a final sequence. But the first time I saw it, I wasn't thinking about it as a final sequence. So the second time I was like, Oh, this does work really well as a final sequence because now we see how powerful our Spider-Man really is. He's got broad shoulders now, and he's fucking—he's fucking—he is turning up on all the other Spider-Men, and he's the best of them. And he just started. When we saw him in the first movie, he's stumbling around. He can barely, you know, do the thwip thing before the final battle. And now he is him. He has proved that he is the the Bron James of the Spider-Men, and that's just a perfect way to end the first half of the story i just i i felt like the the pacing of the ending and where they ended it was perfect i had no issues with it 
Yeah, that might that actually might be another nitpick for me. He did feel a little too good at this shit. Like, he was really hit. Yeah, yeah, it's like okay, every goddamn Spider-Man in the universe like <laughs> can't catch you. Like, come, like come on, son. Like that's that's what we're doing. Slippery, buttery hips. <laughs> he was out there looking like Reggie Bush at USC. Like <laughs> nuts. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought the the I mean. I was I I was sitting there once that ended though that there's a thirty minute like you said escape from New York um, which is a movie on its own but yeah it, it, probably a direct reference but it, the escape from Nueva York scene um, is like thirty minutes long once they start doing it it feels like and it I was on the edge of my seat like heart pounding for animated characters that's crazy and then it ended and i was like looking at kind of looking at my watch going there's 30 minutes left in this movie yeah. <laughs> i was kind of like that's a little bit of a let you know not like the worst thing in the world because you're obviously not going to end it on the big fight scene like fuck even Endgame didn't end on the biggest fight scene ever yeah, Endgame or uh, Infinity War let them all die like and then ended. yeah and then ended so like there was going to be some resolution a little bit at least but I was Dex to your point kind of going like okay so where are we going because I, I was on the edge of my seat for forever um, and then like yeah, the Matrix and- world that they put them in looked incredible and I was kind of back in but you know like I think part of it for me too was that in my theater, at least, like there were, you know, you know how people are in movie theaters at superhero movies. Like they're sitting there whispering and talking and like calling things out or whatever. So like every after the Escape from New Wave of York, there's like a bunch of like little reveals that kind of add up to like the climax of this movie or whatever. And then they'd like hint at it for like a couple seconds, and then they'd like confirm the reveal. But the people sitting next to me, every time that they like hinted at a reveal. They were just saying it out loud. Like, we all knew it was going there, so it was, like, whatever. But it's like, they were just saying it, you know? And so it's like, okay, I would have liked for them to just, like, cut off at the hint and, like, not give you, like, the, yes, you were right. Like, that's what's about to happen. Like, no, just hint at it. Shut the movie off. We'll come back for part two. Like, that would have been perfect for me. Uh, can we go into spoiler territory? Yes, let's do that. Okay, let's right, go into spoiler, spoiler alert, y'all. Go see this movie before you listen to the rest of this podcast, but go see it anyway, then come back. Yeah, three A pluses, man. You gotta go see this shit. Incredible. I don't remember the last movie that happened. I can't remember the last time we gave a movie all A pluses. Probably the Matrix Four. The Matrix Four. I'm sure it was Top Gun. I'm sure it was Top Gun. Or uh, everything everywhere all at once, whichever it was Top Gun. It came out later. Nah, Royden was hating on everything everywhere. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I gave it an A, remember? What a retro- <laughs> at a retroactively womp, womp, womp. an a plus yikes big yikes what you call it anyway uh, <laughs> spoiler alerts for spider-man across the spider-verse at uh, about 40 minutes into the podcast 38 minutes into the podcast um so when if you're listening spoilers uh it so when they made the reveal that he was actually in the other spider where the spider came from earth 42 yeah um i felt like a big dumb idiot that i didn't see that coming in this kid's movie because i was like <laughs> that's the that's the easiest plot to have seen 
And I was like, but I genuinely had like a, like a feeling of kind of like shock where I was like, I hadn't had a good twist in a movie in a long time where when I watched it, I was like, what? And Caitlin looked at me and she was like, yeah, they're in Earth 42. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even, I didn't even realize. And then, but then they show you the they whole, keep going. Yeah. yeah, they show you the whole sort of um, how it happened sort of thing and like a montage and really explain it to you like you're an idiot but again this is for kids yeah and like i can't i can't hate on it too much because it is for kids but it's also like okay like how fucking cool would it have been for gwen stacy to be like he's in the wrong universe to be continued like that would have been fucking dope (laughs) that's not better than seeing dark miles and we saw the fucking Jordans that they're going to put out for the next movie. The, the Prowler had J's on, bro. That, that There's no way you can tell me that Are that's better purple? than that. When I saw those shoes, they're like black and purple. When I saw those shoes, I almost fucking fainted. And then also I saw another Miles and I almost fucking fainted. It was perfect. It's I, I want those shoes today. If those shoes are on stickers right now, I would go buy them. My man had on the villain braids and everything. They gave him braids, which was a weird decision, but <laughs> oh man. Well, no. yeah, I mean, I just for me personally, it's like, okay, if you're not gonna end when we find out that he's in the wrong universe, you don't have to also just like straight up tell us right now that Miles is the prowler in the other universe. You know what I'm saying? Like, leave leave that. Like, leave us hanging there instead of uh, I wonder I don't, how I don't know. Spider-Man's gonna wiggle his way out of this one. Like we like whatever. Like that's fine. I would rather them like hint at this like insane like twist and then just like leave us hanging there and give us a year to speculate on it so we can sit here and record podcasts and be like, is Miles the prowler or is he not? I think he is, but they just they just told us, you know? <laughs> like I would oh. rather have a little more mystery there. I feel like we know too much about where this is going now. Yeah, I don't know. That feels, I'm kind of with Tej, that feels like the ending store, ending panel of a comic book, the reveal. That's you what it like to me. That's just what I thought of. Like the last panel is Miles is the prowler and then to be con- like the next, you get to the next issue. That's what it felt like to me. Um, comic books suck and I don't read them now. <laughs> you could get our guts canceled. The, the comic book nerds are going to fund you. No, it's okay. Somebody today said that the Dark Knight was overrated and that the Flash was four and a half stars. So That's like... true. And someone said uh, that the Spider-Verse, the Spider-Verse is up there with, and I quote, up there with, uh, what movie did she say? Ready Player, Ready One. Player One. Ready Player One, which is a film that exists, that is a movie. So, you it know. Is. It is. Yeah, I don't think anyone has ever described Ready Player One as up there. Like that's Me not either. It is, that's it's not, not even thing. up there in Steven Spielberg's category catalog. And it's not one of the. It's not bad. People who loves Ready Player One saw it like twice in theaters. Have it on Blu-ray. Like I love that movie. What the fuck are we talking about? Like no. <laughs> that is the most forgettable Steven Spielberg movie that I have seen in a long time. And I enjoyed the movie. There's nothing wrong with the movie. But comparing it to something like Spider-Verse, I was like, wait, did I read that? I thought I read the tweet wrong. I was like, wait, what? Ready Player I- One is so forgettable that the the chick <laughs> in it became the queen in House of the Dragon. And I didn't know who she was. 
Oh my god! <laughs> I've seen that movie. I've seen that movie like eight times. And then she showed up in House of the Dragon, and I was like, "Who's this new hot chick?" <laughs> Wait, who is she in House of the oh Dragon? That is Olivia Cook. Holy shit! Yeah, she's, holy uh, shit! I didn't know that. Yeah, she's our our queen. Uh, Who's the male lead of Play One? I literally don't remember that. I don't remember who the male lead is. Um, he it was in everything. It was Ty Sheridan. I only have an avatar of his face in my brain, but not his actual generic face. white. And I've generic seen this movie twice. He played he played the new uh, Cyclops in the X Men reboot movies. You could oh, have told okay, me it okay. was Antel right. Elgort or any other number of white guys, and I would have been like, "Yeah, that's him." <laughs> <laughs> guys from Texas, actually, he's from uh, Palestine, Texas. Um, but uh, I. No, we did so, an episode on that movie, didn't we? Didn't we do a Ready Player One? No, did, that came we? out before we started. Oh, um, I mean, we can. I'm always. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I've been trying to read that book too because Caitlin bought it for me just like as a as a gift, and it is like reading somebody's this is like an, a kid that's been on Ritalin his entire life. Like you get my '80s references, and you're just like, God damn it! Like I can't. <laughs> can't finish it um no so it, it, this has sort of become a red ready player one podcast already but yeah I, I tweeted that and i said man i really goodfellas is really up there with world war z for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like up there with yes man from jim carrey like what are we talking yeah, about dude, like that that's the most insane comparison i've ever heard in my life like what <laughs> anyway um <laughs> No, yeah, so across Spider-Verse fucking rules. And I'm excited. It does rule. For it does rule. Beyond. What um, were your funniest gags in this movie? What made y'all laugh the hardest in this film? Oh shit. What was it? Um the the getting canceled bit in the very beginning of the oh, thing <laughs> was very funny. Um that was yeah, really funny. Our endorsement is hilarious. Uh I I I don't know how I necessarily felt about the the Donald Glover of it all. We didn't talk about that because oh, yeah, yeah, spoilers. Up the the twice. real life, the the them bringing the real life. It didn't ruin the movie for me or anything. But it them felt bringing, like SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah, felt like the yeah, SpongeBob. That's what it felt movie. like. That's what it felt. That's like. crazy. Good comparison. <laughs> like it. Yeah, it's like David Hasselhoff is here. You know, it's like what? Yeah. <laughs> um. No, but yeah, it. That was an interesting sight gag that they did, and I think them molding the real world stuff into it was really interesting i thought all the stuff with like the spot was really funny but my i, I think i laughed the hardest i'm your nemesis oh, yeah i'm your nemesis like <laughs> he kicked his own butt into the into the he, multiverse he kicked like, his own butt <laughs> but i laughed the hardest when the um for, what was his name what was his name uh the spider-man uh I, i'm gonna get this wrong uh pevatar or pevatar oh the, the, the one from mumbatan mumbatan i was gonna say i guess I, i'm probably having this wrong but the indian uh uh yeah, spider-man yeah yeah he, he uh um, yeah the guy with the good hair he uh <laughs> his whole thing was hilarious to me the, the and he's chai just tea like, thing. yeah, the chai tea, and then just like 
things are just great for me. Things are going awesome for me. <laughs> it's so easy being Spider-Man. Um, but also that, and then the introduction of punk rock Spider-Man, where he's just yeah, a walking awesome. contradiction. He's amazing. And Daniel Kalulu's voice is just so perfect for that character. He just... That is Hobie is the coolest thing that I've ever seen, man. That is, I don't like AM. Incredible. I don't like PM. I don't like label. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to he's him not, for like immediately I'm not a role model. Him. I used to be a runway model. <laughs> <laughs> not a role model. Used to be a runway model. And I do like that he was holding Miles down because we got to take some real points off of Peter B. Parker and uh and Gwen, Gwen because they literally basically let him walk into a trap. You're my friends. And and Miguel Hera, who we haven't talked about, which is another incredible voice performance by Oscar Isaac. There, incredible stuff that he's doing. Uh, you basically know this is a trap, and you let him trap me. And it's like, yeah, your dad's gonna die, but you got to stay here with us. We're gonna trap you in a. Hey cell. man, them's the breaks. <laughs> them's I, the breaks. Thanks you a lot, Gwen. You people Gwen gonna and, die. Y'all, y'all knew this is gonna happen to me. Y'all let this happen, but Obi is like, no, 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 no. We're not gonna let this happen. I'm already, he's pulling stuff off the wall already. He's 10 steps ahead. He's helping Miles the whole time. Hobie is a real friend, bro. I don't know about Peter B. Parker, and I don't know about Gwen, the way they treated him in those moments. I didn't like that, bro. I didn't like that at all. Peter B. Parker, known sex haver. He just got lazy, man. <laughs> Mayday Parker was also incredible. When she when she puts her mask down at the end when they show, and he's like, well, we got to go on another adventure, and then she pulls her mask down greatest moment in cinema history up there with the horse head and the and godfather the same thing goes. It's, it's in the same level mayday parker is the greatest she was incredible this is such a cute baby what a what a crazy comparison okay that might be better than the across the or in across the spider verse and ready player one cop like <laughs> there's the horse head scene in the godfather and there's made one off of when a baby <laughs> i walked into the theater as one person when mayday parker pulled the spider mask down to her face i was changed i was forever changed yeah bro. Uh, well i will like, say uh, across the spider verse uh, far less racist <laughs> yeah <laughs> Just how racist that. is your movie on a scale of Godfather to Across, across the Spider-Man? <laughs> oh, you think people like you think like people were shitting their pants in the movie theater when he had a when they when he came into the parent teacher conference and he had a BLM sticker on his uh, backpack? This movie I, I haven't heard it, from the right because there's also a uh, Wanda has like a has a trans like a trans rights pin on her backpack too. And I don't. I haven't even heard the right. I don't think they're smart enough to know what happened in this film or, or, or see it's it. It's moving too fast. They couldn't. It's they moving. Couldn't. Yeah, they were just like, oh, just, all this wokeness is coming at me at once. I don't know what to be mad. Oh at. my god, too many colors. And Maybe obviously, they're so finally much, learning how to boycott, and they haven't seen it yet. So much of the subtext. <laughs> Maybe they're finally figuring it out how to boycott, like correctly. So much of the subtext of this movie is about inclusion. Uh, Miles is being told by his mother that you belong. Don't let people tell you that you don't belong. Right before Miguel O'Hara is like, you literally don't belong. You are a child, and you don't. You should not be Spider Man. So, so much <laughs> of this movie is about like, like, do you deserve to be in certain spaces? And don't let people tell you that you don't. So I don't. But I don't think the right is smart enough to pick up on the subtext of a movie unless it's written like in big bold letters, like the beginning of Star Wars. They're probably not going to pick up on it. So they probably didn't even know. They probably don't realize it. Um, I'm just going I feel back. like they noticed 
oh, he's black. And like, they're like, that's where they're mad. Like, the, they're, like, <laughs> they're already mad. <laughs> yeah, he's black and Hispanic at the same time. What? <laughs> uh, but his dad's a cop, so it's all in a conundrum. You know, are they speaking Spanish in this movie? We have one yeah. language in America. This, English did, is our language. Get, we he's black and Hispanic at the same time, but we did get two cop dads to balance it out. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> that, it really okay. So going all the way back, just continuing spoilers. Um, also, the, the the running gag of the Spider Man pointing meme with all the Spider Men was just a great, just a great yeah, bit in the movie. Great. Always Fantastic. works. It um, never fails. My my theater went crazy. Like they ended with, like they literally didn't see it in the first film. My yeah. theater went crazy. Um, just going all the way back, the calling it um, a canon event is really cool. Yeah, I really like the the canon like, event. This is in canon, you know, like all you nerds, like this is a real thing that happens. But it being that either was it either that Uncle Ben has to die or that a cop has to like that you a may cop or may not know has to die. Yeah. yeah. If you're a spider, if you're not Peter Parker, if you're Peter Parker, Uncle Ben has to die. If you're not Peter Parker, that's what it was. Okay. Captain, you're close to has to die. Really interesting. Like the canon event sort of bit of all of this was where it really stood out to me with a kind of, it, it's the same as if you, the butterfly effect in any sort of multiversal movie, but the fact that this, like these certain events have to happen to all these Peter Parkers and Spider-Man across the universe was really interesting to me. It just has to continue yeah. to happen. And it's that's also- part of the thing that like, I know you kind of talked about earlier how this will be like a, a trendsetter in animated movies and stuff like that. I think like the whole canon event thing is part of why I think like this is a very unique situation. It can like that only works because we all fucking know Spider-Man. Like everyone yeah. in the world knows the canon event for Spider-Man. Like we've seen Uncle Ben die twice and you know, we know that Gwen Stacy dies and you know like even if we don't know that Gwen Stacy's dad dies in her stories it's like yeah we probably figured you know um so if you don't have that level of like familiarity for the audience to work with i don't think you you can't make a movie like this you know i agree you think i think would... go ahead they're Steve. doing like they're literally playing you're also playing it off the idea of like a canon event or like what happens in the comics gwen gwen like spider girl gwen from the comics literally response to the fact that they kept killing gwen because that gwen was a canon event in the comics where she kept dying just like we saw in the andrew garfield version of the movie like she kept dying they kept fridging her and she was a part of the story and so in response to that in response to what happened in the amazing spider-man they made Gwen the spider woman in the comics like that's how this character was born this character is already born of certain like let's push back against certain things that people say has to be like this has to be spider-man he has to have an uncle that dies he has to be white he has to be muscular or whatever you know because we've grown up on this character so we know the rules even though no one's ever told us the rules we just know because we've seen so much spider-man stuff we've seen the movies and the animated shows and maybe even read the comics so we know what's supposed to happen to spider-man and so this whole movie is set up in like the, this kind of people are not supposed to be Spider-Man. This kid, this bi, this biracial kid is not supposed to be a Spider-Man. 
based on some people's views of Spider-Man. So we can keep pushing that line and saying the things that have happened to the other Spider-Man don't have to happen to our Miles and our state and our Gwen because they haven't had, they've already both experienced loss. She lost to Peter and he lost uh, his uncle Aaron. So they've already experienced some loss, but they don't have to experience moral loss. And so fighting against that destiny of like, we are going to do things our way. You said that we couldn't be here in the first place. Now that we're here, now you're trying to tell us how to act while we're there. We're going to push back against that. That level of subtext is just so cool. And it's, it, it shows a, a deep care for the character and a deep knowledge of the character. But also Lord Miller are saying, we're making our own thing. We are not, we are not beholden to the rules that the Spider-Verse has put upon us just because we're making a movie called Spider-Man. Like we are going to tell our own story. Literally, the, one of the first things that Gwen says to begin the movie is you think you know, but you don't. It's playing against the fact that everybody sitting there knows that Aunt May dies or knows that the captain dies or knows that Uncle Ben dies, right? We know that stuff. Even the kids know that stuff. So they're, they're telling you, hey, we're writing our own story. You don't know what's going to happen, but these characters might not have to go through some of the same trauma that other Spider-Men have gone through just because that's what everybody else wrote. And I, I just love that. I, that being on the surface of the movie it's just so beautiful to me, and it just makes the whole story come together as a coming of age story for Miles and and and, and Gwen. Now, I think that's that's just, that's just so dope and so cool, and it's clear that they care a lot. And I just I I felt that intimate, I felt that passionately when I was watching the movie. So uh, across the Spider Verse, going to be nominated for Best Picture, like we said. Uh, Tej has it to win. I want to see if you could get those odds right now. What do you think those odds are like? Plus a thousand? I bet you I can get at least plus eight or nine hundred at least. Go ahead, put I some money where your mouth is. I'm about to go put some money up. Oh, I'm, oh don't! Oh, I'm doing this. This is. I'm about to put five dollars on this and be rich. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna win. Hey, I mean, yeah, it's not a bad bet if you can get odds on it. Like, it's... I don't even know if they would have Oscar odds at this point. They probably do somewhere, but. Um, get the Oscar odds up, cowards! Whatever, a uh, fan duel, whoever you guys are, get them up there. Um, so I just want to talk about this real quick, and then we'll we'll wrap up. Daniel Kaluuya makes a, an appearance in this movie, and he's literally only at this point doing like one movie a year, um, and he should be doing more because he's he should be like one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, and he almost is, even though he does like one movie a year. Uh, somebody asked and i think tiff is the one the official tiff account quote tweeted it and said who is an actor or actress that appears in a movie and immediately makes it better that pops up in a movie and immediately makes it better um and they quoted with daniel yeah who's an actor that always makes a movie better just by being in it is the actual um thing and i mean if you want to go like deep Jesus, if you want to go like deep down the line, like just by being in it, it's like Denzel, you know, but like, yeah, that was who immediately came to mind for me. <laughs> but I was thinking more like people that may not have the most to do like character wise, but they're always doing the most with their characters. If that makes any sense. I would like, say they Brian Tyree Henry is the easiest answer for me. That's a really good answer. That's this a really point good answer, my um Mahershala Ali jumped to mind for me. Well, he won like, to he won an Oscar for being in a movie for like 13 minutes. So Yeah, I was gonna say, like, he's not in Moonlight for Incredible. that long, but like he like hits you in the fucking chest. <laughs> 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 to me, I, it's always the like character actors guys, Ben Foster, but you know, 
Sam Rockwell is one that stands out for me. And then these are all just people that have like supporting Oscar nominations. Our good boy, uh, Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons is oh, a, that's great a great one. one. That's a great one. <laughs> because it's like, it's like, what's he going to do? He's going to be menacing and a yeah. uh, little seedy every single time. Seedy. Can't really and put, maybe, maybe can't really a little racist. <laughs> maybe, maybe a, a tad little... racist. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, just by popping up in it, I'm trying to think of actresses that are the same. Like, uh, I mean, Emily Blunt is that for me for some of these movies. Like, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of Emily Blunt's work, but all the stuff I've seen her and she's great in. Yeah, but it's just like she's in like The Devil Wears Prada as like the third assistant, and yeah. and she's just like giving it her all. She's awesome. So I don't know. Just going back on some of some of that stuff. I mean, of course, if you have just by being in it, if Meryl Streep is in your Mamma Mia movie, like it gives you and that, that shit much, bangs. <laughs> yeah, that much more juice, I guess. But uh, who's some other ones that y'all can think of really quickly? Because I, do, I actually really like this topic. Florence Pugh. And half the way I go up for up in. Everything Florence Pugh's in is better Florence than it should be. never missed. Even I haven't that- seen Good Person or whatever, but... I'm sure she didn't miss, like even if the movie stinks. Because <laughs> I don't worry, darling movie. was like three or four points better than it had any reason to be, simply because she is on screen being her. Like it, it was it, to watch that happen in real time. I was with someone at the movies, and the whole time I was like, "This movie's not good," but Force View is doing some amazing shit, bro, and it's going to waste because this film is shit. And I got her acting alongside a dude that can sing, I guess, but can't act like at all. At all, at all, and they live in the same house in this film, and that's weird. But she, the what, she, the stuff that she's doing, and some of the shots that they got of her in that film are way—I will remember them forever, even though I won't remember the premise of that movie. I don't remember it right now. The movie. The director off. of the movie was like actively sabotaging her, and she still <laughs> had that shit on her back, bro. Had like, to direct some of the nuts. movie. People forget. Yeah, dude, the director of the movie was like, you know what? Fuck Florence Pugh. You know what Florence Pugh did? Put up 50, 17, and 12. Well, she put, she up, Yo- she put up Jokic numbers and then, like, like Harry Styles is Michael Porter Jr. brick and shot. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, God damn, can you hit an open three, dude? Like, it's not that hard. Man, that film stunk. All I remember Our that lives. At the end, it was like, oh, All he just hooked up to the talents. internet. All he's, just lives. Like, he's just laying in a, in a, in a building. Like on some Black Mirror shit with a little fucking Oculus on his face. That's the. This is the premise of our movie. <laughs> Them turning that, that into a Black Mirror, Mirror episode was fucking whack. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about that movie anymore. I, I just don't like, worry, darling. Is the worst episode of Black Mirror of all time, and somehow Florence Pugh put up the greatest performance in Black Mirror history in that film. Both things are true. <laughs> Anyone else that y'all are thinking of that kind of if they would pop up into a movie, it would immediately make it. I mean, Willem Dafoe always gives like 110 percent. True. I have one like for an actress who's not in a bunch of good movies, but like the movies would be even worse without her. Jennifer Lopez. Really? I'm glad you're saying this because people okay. have been coming down on, on my queen, Jennifer Lopez, and I can tell immediately by the how people speak on Jennifer Lopez's name that they don't have never seen Selena or don't appreciate it enough or have not seen Hustlers or don't appreciate it enough because that woman is doing things to do what she did in Selena. People's memory of Selena is Jennifer Lopez in the movie Selena. 
Do you know how insane yeah. that is? Selena was a massive star, and there's a whole generation of people who, when they think Selena, the first thing they think that pops into their brain is Jennifer, Jennifer fucking Lopez. Lopez. Th- that's 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 act. That's crazy that you can do that as an actress. She goes, she's incredible. She's perfect, and we should not disrespect her acting chops because she can't sing. That, we should not do and that. And then, like twenty years later, she comes out in Hustlers. And they owe her an Oscar nomination for that shit, for sure. They were two never, Oscar nominations. Never, never, miss. She's great. She's, she absolutely, she's doing dramatic work. She's doing physical work. She puts on an incredible performance at the center of this film that had uh, was better than it had any reason to be because she's putting on an incredible performance. And also Kiki Palmer, who I met the other night, is a star. And she's also dropping 50 in the movie. So it's like did, that. Did and you yeah, see that? That Netflix lied and said that like 18 billion people stream the mother. I mean, oh. I they they seriously it's like the like the eighth most watched movie on that platform ever. I want them Whatever, to stop lying dude. to us so bad. I haven't heard anyone actually talking about the mother, although I know some people that watched it, but everybody who watched it told me like it wasn't good. It's not, but it's better than it should have been because Jennifer Lopez is in it. And like it. Even if she's not like in a great movie or whatever, she just makes it better. Like Shotgun Wedding is not a great fucking movie, but because Jennifer Lopez is in it, you're like, this is kind of fun. <laughs> I would like to submit for the board's recognition Marissa Tomei in this category as well. Love her. My um, goat. Also, very much would. Marissa, I love you. <laughs> what a woman. Uh, to put so a woman like that you. sexy in those Spider-Man movies is just like torture, bro. That that is a that is she is. She doesn't even try to be that good looking. She's just walking around regular stuff that she's wearing around the fucking house looking perfect. And it's like, oh, oh, this is how this woman just sits at home in a regular T-shirt looking sexy as hell. Ugh. Speaking of the they Uncle had to Ben change thing. up the whole Aunt May shit because everyone's like, yeah, would like for the first time in Aunt May history. <laughs> for the first time in Aunt May history, Aunt May was fucking smoking hot. I'll never <laughs> forgive you, John Watts. Count your days for killing her in that movie. Count your days. It's a fucking canon event. It's crazy. Nah, bring her back, bro. <laughs> Hit up Doctor Strange and bring her back. Um, what? I also want to say that I think that we are. I think that people are severely underrating how smart they made. It feels like this movie they made so many smart decisions, and to make the to introduce the spot in the way that they did, and to have him. Bumble his way because I think the real big bad is going to end up being Miguel O'Hara, right? Yeah. Like you can see that that's where the, that's where they're going with the story. But to have the think... spot as the you don't think so? No. You think the I spot's going to played... be like the big bad? No, I think he played the foil in this movie because he's like sort of this anti-hero persona sort of thing. I think first they fight, then they're friends. To still a line from the Weekly Planet podcast, they're going to like they fought in this movie. And he nearly gave him the beats, and then they're going to team like, up to beat the spot. team up to beat the spot as well as like because he's going to become sort of this larger than life cataclysmic event on accident. You know what I mean? It happens like it's not going to be the best villain, but it, it's going to be sort of this thing that every Spooter Man has to come together to like be <laughs> including including yeah, Miles funny. including Miles Morales. As the Prowler is going, yeah, to Miles G. Morales. I, yeah, I definitely think that's going to be a they fight, but then they're friends. Like it was cool to me to end the movie that way, but I was like, you're not going to like beat yourself up or kill yourself. 
like you, you, you who would yeah, do just that? Because. He, he's going to work with like, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I want to get to know you at least a little bit. Like, just because, like, just because you showed up here, I'm just going to like, and it was like, no, I would, they're probably going to end up being cool. Uh, and you're probably going to see Miles at some point, our Miles wearing the Prowler Jordans. And you're going to see the that Miles wearing the volume two Jordans that came out, which are trash. But those Prowler Jordans, I'm going to day man. one. I'm I'm getting those. But those volume two Jordans are trash. Those volume one like, Jordans I are I saw them so pop fire. up in the movie and I was like, oh, that, I get it. But like, no, <laughs> I don't want to wear those. I get but why like, they designed it that way after seeing the movie. But I was still like, I'm not putting that on my feet. Yeah, the ones from the first movie are movie. iconic, and I wish I had gotten them when the first movie came out because those shits are extremely fire. But now those prices are super crazy. Uh, so I'm gonna get the Prowler ones. Prowler ones, I'm in there day one. Prowler ones, I'm putting that into the universe. I'm gonna be walking, I'm gonna wear those to the theater if, if it turns out, right. and you're wearing those to the Oscars. <laughs> Facts when they um, collect the best picture, yeah. So that is it. Um, for across the Spider-Verse and actors, you know, that we think make movies better. But uh, thank you so much for listening. Go see movies. Uh, we're we're not going to we're not going to do Transformers. Sorry, I don't I don't think thank we're going to. Thank God. Do. You, you, I, I, I literally did not want to watch Transformers. Like, no disrespect. It has a 57% of Rotten Tomatoes, which probably means that it's good because, you know, they always yeah. shit on those movies. But it is weird to me that the trailer of the Transformers movie looks like every other Transformers movie when Michael Bay is no longer directing. The, the, I, I have higher standards. I'm a Spider-Verse fan, so you better make these movies look different. Ah. And I don't know why well, this, speaking why of, this buddy, movies look, looks like this. Strap in for they, them. We are about to go see The Flash in theaters. That is our next movie. Y'all are the problem. <laughs> this, this right here. Y'all are the problem. What problem? Like, it's not a problem to watch a big CGI fuckfest in Transformers. That's not what us not seeing that is not killing movie theaters. No, y'all going to see The Flash is why bad people are allowed to, uh, you know, keep prospering out here. I admit my shortcomings, brother. I got to be in there for that. I got to be in there for that. Uh, I, I a lot of people were there. held at gunpoint. I'm not excited. <laughs> not a, I've not heard a, bad things, actually. I've heard a couple of bad things. Fennessy saw it, but he saw it right before he saw Across the Spider-Verse, and he was like, well, compared to this movie, it's not that great, yeah. but everything stinks compared to Across the Spider-Verse, and there are still other movies that we can have fun with. I'm sure The Flash won't be perfect, but I am in there. If they went through all this to put this movie out after the crime spree that they have been on, <laughs> something must be good about it. That's all I'm saying. I, a lot of people I were held can't. at gunpoint by WB on Twitter. If you go look up hashtag The Flash, it's like, the CGI sucked and the storytelling was weird, but I had a great time. You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> but I would recommend you see it anyway. <laughs> yeah, I just can't get over the fact that for The Flash... They've been showing you two different Batman for like six months. Like, you know, <laughs> like, that's how they've been marketing this movie. There's no way it's actually good. Like, no way. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be our next review is going to be uh, The Flash. So strap in for that one. Uh, but go. I'm going to go see Across the Spider-Verse again. Uh, it's going to be the, the rare the movie. The second that viewing is for. even better, man. You're going to love it. And you really get to take in the colors in the second viewing because, like, I was, like, literally just looking at the background and stuff. And you're going to love it. It's great. All right. I will go see Transformers. And if I have anything to say about it, I'll write a review for it on ApolloHAU.com. And that'll that's be our called- episode. That is called who, a plug. Who directed folks. this Transformers film? Um, was it Some the same? Dude. No, it was uh, the guy that directed. <laughs> like, I don't know. 
Creed 2. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Isn't that a black... No, that's a... Is that a black man? That is yes. a black man. It is... Uh, Stephen Capel Jr. Um, Interesting. So yeah. He directed this one. Anyway, uh, you can find us at One Take Pod, One Take Pod on Instagram, One Take Pod on Twitter. O n e t a k e p o d. This is the number one take pod. It's a little confusing. Uh, <laughs> it's the number one take podcast on Twitter. Go follow us. One take podcast on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify. Also, I believe you can get us on Google podcast leave us a review we would really appreciate it uh if you leave us a written review um goes a long way to helping us out or just swipe five stars we would really appreciate that as well too go find dex's writing uh on apollohou.com like he said another episode of the slander you coming out or has come out the past week yep yeah, we're, so. we're chugging along the offseason. We got more stuff planned. We got so much fun stuff coming on Slender You. Tash, stay tapped in with us. We know it's the offseason. Uh, football season will be here faster than you know. And the NBA uh, finals are about to be over. So then we're really about to lean into college football. I can't wait. Yeah, the college football lies are already starting. I can already just, it's already starting. It's unbelievable. That time of year, baby. Um, all right. Thank you for listening. Like, download, and subscribe. Um, Nuggets are still going to win in five. Thank you very much. Next, what are we doing? Nuggets in five. Nuggets in six. All right, we're out. sick.